0: Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler podcast network Follow the Holler for relentless coverage Shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee Find them online at tnholler.com And on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram At the TN Holler On this episode of Floods of Justice We
1: will be talking
0: truth versus conspiracies We'll be right back
1: If you have your Bibles Open them to Amos chapter 5 And I want to read verse 24 the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice.
0: The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the Coffee House at 2nd and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome, listeners, to Floods of Justice. This episode, we are actually also broadcasting live on Facebook. So we have a Facebook Live audience and uh and then this will be put out to our podcasting audience wherever you listen to podcasts so thank you for joining us on this episode pastor kevin how are you
1: well i'm doing good i'm uh, doing good it's a monday uh at least when we're recording this by the time it gets aired it, it won't be monday anymore but uh Uh, but I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
0: Good, good. What's funny is we, we haven't recorded in in a couple weeks and we recorded the last episode right before the election and we were hesitant Mm -hmm. to air it. And we were like, well, let's wait until we have results. And we're two weeks later and we still don't have an official. I mean, we have one, we have a new president, but it still hasn't been, he hasn't conceded. Trump
1: has not. Yeah. No one has conceded. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, but, cause, but, I don't really know, I don't really know what's going on, man. I know.
0: We we're, joked about Groundhog no Day. <laughs> and, and I, I know been it. I
1: two weeks. And I quit and I should have kept, I, I quit, you know, I kept saying Groundhog Day one, day two, day three, day four. And, uh, then on Saturday when they, when the media anyway had said Biden was the winner, I stopped and I guess I should have continued it. Yeah. Because now we're Groundhog Day 14. <laughs> mm. Wow.
0: 2020 for you.
1: 2020 never you, ceases you, to you,
0: amaze us. Well, yeah, th- we, we
1: should have we should have expected it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, that the uh, the title for today's conversation is "Truth versus Conspiracies," and uh, as everybody knows, what's kind of arisen from the uh, yeah. from the election, <laughs> and the reason it's taken so long is the Trump camp has uh, has jumped on this bandwagon that there is vast e- election fraud. And, uh, your take and other people's take is, uh, flat out there isn't, but there's enough conspiracies floating around that we thought we'd have
1: this conversation. Yeah. And, you know, even today I was hoping, hope against hope that, um, President Trump would concede, um, or, but instead one of his tweets today was I won the election. Um, just, that was all it said. That was the tweet. I won the election. And, uh, and so I'm like, uh, here we go. It's, it's it's not going away. So some, some people think that um, I, I don't know if it's the end of this week or next week. I can't remember exactly when the date is when the um, when all the states will have certified the vote and all the electoral colleges will will be official. That maybe that's what he's waiting for. And then at that point, um, but who knows? You know, he wants to take it to the Supreme Court. Um, that's what he's threatened to do, and that makes it a little scary. But, uh, but anyway, well, from my understanding yeah, so today, too,
0: isn't there a, a difference between what Trump wants and what his attorneys are actually doing so what he's what or, he's saying or what they'
1: the... or what they're able to get through yeah. it's like there's been a lot of lawsuits thrown out um uh, you know, and he he tweeted, I think it was yesterday that you know the lawsuits that have been thrown out have really been brought by people who weren't officially part of his defense but his and his defense is just now starting to do that so okay, it's like uh, but who knows it goes back to who what what do you believe and who do you believe? Yeah. So it goes back really the conspiracy theory and then the whole uh, parlor news media thing which uh, from my understanding is all conspiracy theory and uh, but people are flooding that site a lot of trump supporters and so uh, I'll probably stay away from that yeah uh, from that site you me but anyway, that's there? what I wanted to talk about yeah, so let me um you know I was thinking over the weekend about this and and uh, I jotted down just a Couple of verses because again, you know, we're trying to, to come from a biblical perspective, and uh, and so I was thinking before we start talking about this, what are some uh, biblical verses that, as followers of Jesus, we need to keep in mind during this time? And so let me read. Um, really, I, I've got four of them I want to read. The first one is Proverbs chapter six, verses sixteen through twenty, and um, where the writer of Proverbs says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are are detestable to him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And I know some people are thinking, well, Kevin, you're, you're using the verse out of context because he's talking about God's people. Well, if you think about it, the church today is divided. and so um, there. And so from my perspective, um, there, there is a person in our society who has stirred up um, conflict in the community of believers. Churches are dividing over this. And I even read a report over the weekend where churches are dividing over over whether or not to wear masks. So in other words, in one church, you would have people who say you need to wear a mask, and you'd have people who say you don't need to wear a mask, and, uh, and it's, it's dividing the church. And, uh, and the Bible says that God hates people who divide the community. And I think that's what's happened. We're operating out of chaos today, and uh, and then on top of that, Paul says in First Corinthians fourteen thirty three, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And um, and Jesus says, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, but I think it applies. He says in John eight forty four, you belong to the father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so I was meditating on that verse this weekend, and I ended up tweeting to kind of give a, a cursor uh, a promo to today's episode. And I, as this is a truth from these scriptures, chaos, chaos, and confusion is a lie to the demonic. Rest assured, if any leader, pastor, president, party, or nation thrives on chaos, they are not—they are acting contradictory. To the ways of god and the teachings of jesus um and uh and then paul said in galatians chapter 2 verse 8 see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and the basic principles of the world rather than on christ and i think if paul was alive today he would say see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies and conspiracy theories which depend on human traditions and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. And so, as believers, we got to be real careful uh, that we check things out, and that we don't um, just just fall for all the for conspiracy theories or things um, that aren't true. The problem is, there we are. Our world is in such chaos um, and confusion that nobody really knows who to believe, and that and that and that's the worst thing that's happened. That regardless what's going to happen in this election there's going to be people who who will who will not accept it and who will always think that um, the election was stolen from the person who loses and so if it stays the way it is trump supporters will think that the election was stolen if something happens god forbid and it flips and trump is given the presidency then the biden supporters will say it was stolen from them um, and and so our democracy is in huge trouble right now. I think. But your thoughts?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- there's. It's really interesting how you can hear the exact same argument coming out of uh, both sides of this, from a Democrat and and a Republican side, from from a a, a biblical or you know a, a God worldview standpoint. Because I I hear it from Republican friends of this you know well god may be we have to trust in god and he will he will instate trump you know there's a the blank fill in the blank that he will instate trump or if he doesn't then biden will be the 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 wicked person in power that god allows to be in power so that the believers those that <laughs> supported him will will understand the the you know the the error of their ways and then you'll hear the exact same argument from a, a Biden standpoint of boy Trump has been this wicked leader for four years and people have supported it, especially those in the church and God allowed them to do that. And God will allow them to to hopefully see their wickedness in this decision. You know, I obviously fall to one side of those arguments, but is it <laughs> It's just it's mind-boggling to me that that there is this blind spot on one of the sides. You know, there's a chance that I'm wrong in this, so I'm not trying to to take a side or be biased in the statement, but one side is wrong, right? There's an ultimate truth and one side is right, but how have we gotten to a point especially as believers who believe in a living God who believe in a, a holy spirit that can can instruct them and guide them and remind them that somebody is so far off base, you know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Well, well, again, I think, you know, it comes down to, to, I mean, it comes down to a lot of things, but what I said earlier is if a person is thriving in chaos and confusion, that person is not of God. That's, that's just a biblical truth. Um, and, uh, and, and some people, some leaders thrive in chaos. The more chaotic it is, the more power they gain from that. And so that's, uh, th- so, so that's troubling just in and of itself, and I don't think I mean anybody who knows me knows that since before the 2016 election, ever since Trump announced he was running, um, I have been saying, no, this is not a good idea. Uh, if you support Trump, um, I mean, I, I don't want to place your salvation on it, but you, you don't have any moral authority uh, to speak out on anything, and and I voted third party, um, and I know people criticize me for that, but. Uh, but that was I actually voted for a person who I thought would make a who would be a good president in the past. I' have just voted a third party to vote, but I actually thought, um, you know, Mark Charles was who I voted for, that he would that he would be a good president. And so I actually voted for somebody this time instead of against somebody. Um, but um, but I've said, and but I've said also from the very beginning um, that my concern is not with with who is president. So I don't really mean to to uh, to be harsh on Trump. My concern, is the is the evangelical church that's my tribe, and the damage that the unwavering support of Trump um, has caused the evangelical church that I don't think will ever recover from. Uh, you know, I I uh, again just a couple of weeks ago finally got so fed up that said I'm just not even going to consider myself evangelical anymore. Now I know by belief, how I view Scripture that puts me in that camp, but I can't be associated with that with that camp now who is. Um, who is just following all these um, conspiracies, or, or, and and just you know they're being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. And I know, you know, people, I, you know, people didn't accept Obama's presidency, uh, people didn't accept Bush's presidency. I know that, and all, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Uh, but it's time that somehow or another we we put this aside, and as a country, come together. And uh, to me, followers of Jesus ought to lead that charge instead of being the ones that are causing the. Uh, um, the division, you know, is kind of where I'm coming from. And so my angst really isn't with Trump or the Republican Party. My angst is with the evangelical church. Because that's my tribe. And, um, and how I think that uh, the evangelical church has been damaged, uh, maybe beyond repair.
0: Well, if you... You know, I'm curious what you think the process is. There was a, I don't remember his name offhand. There was a prophet, a modern day prophet who publicly apologized a few days ago saying that he had uh, made an incorrect prophecy. He had prophesied before the election that Trump would win and he felt like God had told him and he, you know, had had a history of, of prophecies and uh, accuracy. Uh, Pretty much this was his first error, according to him in this video that he posted I'll try and find it. Sure. Uh, anyways, so he he apologized and said, "No, no, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong." And I and I feel like I have to come forward and and say this and he called on other uh Christian prophets leaders who had said things to follow suit and that uh that an apology and repentance was required. You know, for these people like you said that that you feel like they they have no voice uh to testify any any further towards Towards, you know, God, Christianity, morality, um, is there a path through this for those that have like, dug their heels in and then finally see the light and go, okay, Trump was just horribly wicked and I'm embarrassed to say that I did stand by him. Are they useless for the rest of their lives or what's the path through? All right, this is how you kind of, uh, I don't want to say redeem yourself, but this is how God can redeem you.
1: Yeah, well, it starts with repentance. And I mean, it's it's not the unforgivable sin (laughs) to uh, to support a particular political candidate. Um, But it it starts with repentance. And I think it has to be a corporate repentance. And I think uh, there has to be a public repentance of it. Um, But I think that even outside of that, um, and I don't want to use the term branding because that's not what I mean, but even outside of that, um, Christianity has got to get away from the evangelical tag. Now, when I was in college, um, there was a move away from from the fundamentalist tag. When I was growing up, in some circles, being considered a fundamentalist Christian was seen as a positive in some circles. But I think then, when we started getting involved in the Middle East, and the word fundamentalism became associated with with a uh, uh, with a particular brand of Islam, um, then fundamentalism became a negative word. And so, you know, we did away uh, with. You know, I don't know anybody who really calls themselves a fundamentalist anymore. Um, and I think we're kind of going down that same path where, um, you know, the, 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 the word, the brand evangelical, I don't think can repair itself. Now the individual can I mean, obviously, you know, God forgives and there's repentance and, and the church, the church, capital C church is not, you know, even the gates of hell can't prevail against it. So the church isn't going away. Um, you know, so God is purging his church, I think. And, um, and, you know, people who are following Jesus and, and showing the love and the compassion that Jesus shows, uh, maybe they're going to be brought to the forefront. And all of this, uh, you know, I, I saw somebody the other day that really what needs to happen is Christianity. And what I meant by that was evangelical Christianity. Christianity Christianity needs to go through a divorce. They need to divorce themselves from being aligned with any political party. And they need to divorce themselves from nationalism. In other words, this, this idea that uh, being a, a a u.s citizen and being a christian is the same thing um or that my you know that i've got to push my beliefs um in into the government so to speak so there's this nationalism that has to be um broken up and ultimately at least when it comes to the nationalism i am convinced that it goes back um to you know our country was founded really on a lot of white supremacy principles and until we fully divorce ourselves from that um i'm not sure we can ever um um, take care of ourselves but God will always have his remnant of people um, who are doing what what they need to do and uh, and who are following him but I think there's there is a and the Bible talks about a falling away it's not the way I thought about it but I think there is this falling away um, and I think it's you know it's coming from um, it's not coming from people who I thought it would have come from if that makes if that makes any sense you know from that but you know, again, Paul said to not, not to be held captive or not to be deceived by these false philosophies or these um, conspiracy theories. And I was thinking about that I, just to put this in this, some context. Um, you know, OK, what are some of those? I don't know necessarily conspiracy theories right now. We're going to look at those maybe after the break. But um, but what are some of those philosophies today that we've given into? And um, and Dr. King. Dr. Martin Luther King, if you ever Google one of his old speeches, uh, several times in his speeches, he referred to what he called the three evils of society. And, uh, and those three evils he were racism, militarism, and um, materialism. You know, that, that, those were the three uh, evils. Those would have been the philosophies that he would have pointed to that, says that, that were the false man-made philosophies, racism. Um, materialism and um, and militarism, and then as I thought about that, and and uh, I've been studying the Book of Colossians again, which is where that um, and and uh, which is Colossians two eight, by the way, not Galatians two eight, and um, and so when I when I thought about that, here are some things that I wrote down as kind of modern day philosophies that Paul would warn us against, and and I included mat- materialism, which is what Dr. King did, so materialism. Uh, humanism, Secularism, um, Hedonism, Racism, and uh, Dr. William Barber, um, the founder of um, the Poor People's Campaign and, and Repairs of the Breach, um, Dr. Barber adds, um, he, he said he, he agreed with Trump, well, I mean with um, Dr. King on those evils of society, but then he said there were four foundations of racism. In other words, racism in our country is built on four things, and he said it, it's evil economics sick sociology, bad biology, and and heretical ontology, which is people just saying, well, that's just the way God wanted, it. you know, and so if you Google any of his speeches, you'll hear him talk about that eventually. But some other philosophies that we have to avoid, I think, are nationalism, capitalism, and I know that makes a lot of people mad. See, to me, what's happened is, and I thought about this the other day, that there's three things that are kind of combined. Um, and it's kind of like christianity and that particular brand of christianity patriotism and capitalism and when you put those three things together what you have is nationalism. Uh, at that point and um and the bible um you know you know capitalism can be good but it also can be extremely evil um and cause lots of harm so i so i don't you know again people say well kevin you're a socialist well no that's not what i'm saying but uh, but capitalism is no more biblical than any other form. It's just an economic system. And it can be abused and misused, uh, or it can be you know, used for the good of the whole. Um, but when you combine that Christianity with capitalism and patriotism, you get nationalism, and that becomes dangerous. That was eventually what brought Hitler to power. I'm not saying Trump was, was Hitler. I'm saying that's what brought Hitler to power. This idea of nationalism, and he got the churches behind it. Um, and the, the churches supported Hitler until um, it was too late. Uh, and because I also, you know, another philosophy that we have to be careful of is socialism. But then I added to that also another philosophy that I think Paul, because when Paul was talking uh, to the church in Colossae, the philosophies that he was talking about were really the philosophies that were being taught in churches. Um, and it had to do with angel worship and, and what's known as Gnosticism and those kind of things. And so I, maybe if Paul were writing today, he might, would when he was talking about, be aware of these false philosophies that depend on, Human traditions instead of Christ, he might would have included evangelicalism in that list uh, because it has it has um, it has um, become something that it wasn't intended to be. It has become associated with a particular uh, philosophy and a particular political party, um, and uh, and and we got to break away. We got to break away from that. Anyway, that's that's my speech. <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, and. <laughs>
0: I mean what are your thoughts on you know there's there's all those uh I guess the difference between peacemakers and peacekeepers there's those that are just like oh you know we need to be able to disagree or agree to disagree or we should be able to one have calm conversations about these topics but when it is something as as important and impactful as as these discussions as systemic racism or, you know, as whatever your uh, system of preferences on, on how you take care of your citizens, it seems like there's just this, this natural division that's, that's going on. And is that, is that unchristlike or is that, are we called to be that uh, blunt and, and black and white on some things like, no, this, this is that serious. No, we cannot agree to disagree on this.
1: Yeah, I think when when Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, um, the the idea of peacemaker wasn't let's just all go along to get along. A peacemaker was somebody who stood up for peace and who stood up for righteousness and justice and uh, and who who caused some problems. But uh, peace came out as a result of, of, look, once we are aligned with these justice principles that the Bible teaches, uh, then that's the type of peace. And so um, you have, you know, it's not peace by force by any means. Um, but, but yet at the same time to be a peacemaker doesn't mean you just say, oh, we all got to get along. You know, I was, I was reminded of somebody, um, this, you know, a week or so ago when this kind of subject came up where, or, you know, where it was just like, look, we just got to put this behind us and move forward. Um, that that really is the statement that comes from privilege, you know, uh, that I, as I can say, let's put this behind us and move forward because the status quo really doesn't affect me. In fact, it may benefit me. You know, but if you were a person who had been oppressed, peace wasn't going along to get along. Peace was fighting a civil war so that you could be free, you know, and so that and so that was that was peace. And so, you know, no, there is a place where we stand up for righteousness and we and we and we, um, you know, and we nonviolently fight for for righteousness, you know, know, kind of thing, uh, because we know. Uh, that, um, when all are treated equally, then there truly will be peace. Yeah. You know, Jeremiah said to pray for the welfare of the entire city, for when it prospers, everybody prospers. And, um, and so to me that, and I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what came to mind, um, that no, we have to stand up and say, this is right. This is wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's what it means to be a peacemaker. Well, yeah.
0: we're going to take a little break. Right now, and uh, and when we come back, we're going to reference this article that you found there on uh, on Yahoo News. The, the The link is in the Facebook Live comment section. It will also be in the show notes. Uh, take a look. It's the 2020 election the was floods not of justice stolen. podcast is brought to you by the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of Second and Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. I hear that, and now I want a muffin. (laughs) It sounds so good. Anyways, uh, yeah, if you haven't had the muffins from Coffee House at Second Bridge, please check it out we are uh, we are here at Facebook live and uh, if you're listening on where you listen to podcasts then you are uh, wherever you are um, but we are recording remotely for this episode and we have been talking about fact versus conspiracies and what that looks like biblically what that looks like within the Christian Church and uh, and now we're gonna jump into an article and kind of look at the practical application uh, according to the the current situation in our election. So, Pastor Kevin, why don't you run with this?
1: Yeah, so this is an article, and and this article summarizes what I've read and and listened to from several different news agencies and outlets. And so, uh, you know, it's hard, like I said, it's hard to fight through who do we really listen to, who do we really want to believe, because, again, uh, you know, from day one, uh, you know, President Trump started slashing the media, um, and that's caused all kinds of doubt. Um, from that. And, and, uh, whereas, you know what, everybody, everybody looks at things from a biased perspective. Um, but, you know, and unfortunately I don't know if we have a person who just says, who just gives us the news and the news only. It's not like everybody's got a commentary. So, Walter uh, but Dronke. yet this article, yeah, this article that I came across to me summarizes these issues pretty good. And I think it's, it's valid. The title of the article is the 2020 elections wasn't stolen. And here's all the facts. Um, that that prove it. Now I got it from Yahoo Press. I know immediately when I said that that means some people in, uh, in the audience will say, well, uh, that's liberal. We're not going to listen to it. Uh, well, no, you still need to listen to it and um, and just you know and look at other organizations, uh, news organizations, and and most of them are are I, I have found are starting to agree on these particular issues, including Fox News Network. Uh, you know so. So this seems to be the general consensus, at least the, the points of this. Um, says if President Trump, this is I'm just going to jump through a little bit. If President Trump continues to claim that President-elect Joe Biden stole Joe Biden stole <clears throat> the election from him, but every indication is that the 2020 election, conducted in the midst of a pandemic, with by far the most votes ever cast, was run honestly and the results tabulated accurately. Attribute tribute the professionalism and integrity of the officials across the country. What is it? It's up, if you summarize it, it's up to, what, around 77 million people who voted for Biden, 72 million who voted for Trump, a difference of 5 million. That's 140-some-odd million people who voted, and there's only 300 million people in the United States, and that includes everybody from birth to older, <laughs> older age. It's an incredible amount of the population, but yet. My understanding is that's still only about 65 percent of registered voters uh, who voted. The biggest turnout, and it's still under 70% as a whole of registered voters. So there's still millions of people out there who could have voted that didn't vote, regardless of the, the, the huge outcome. But the article goes on to say, before Election Day, the Trump administration invited a delegation of 28 international experts from the Organization of American States, which has reported on elections around the, the world to observe the vote. Its preliminary report found zero evidence of significant fraud. It's an outside agency that the Trump administration hired to come in, um, and they said that they found zero uh, evidence. And And so that article linked to another article that gave highlights of that report, and it says this, International election experts invited by the Trump administration to observe the U.S. election last week Issued a preliminary report that found no evidence of the widespread fraud alleged by President Trump. The State Department invited a 28-member delegation from the Organization of American States, which has reported on elections around the world, to observe the voting in the United States on November the third. And said so this: the report did find clear examples of intimidation by of electoral officials by Trump supporters. And so the organization that Trump hired found no evidence of fraud, but did find evidence of voter intimidation by Trump supporters, Uh, you know. And the report also took aim at Trump himself for statements questioning the legitimacy of the vote, claiming that the Democrats were trying to steal uh, the election. And so uh, that is the report of the official group that was hired by the Trump administration to, to oversee the election.
0: That's what you call a you know, backfire,
1: um, huh? That's what you call a backfire, and these are facts. I mean, you know, the, you can go check them out. Uh, that 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 is, um, you know, that is what happened. And back to the other article on November twelfth, the coordinating council overseeing a voting system used around the country said in an unprecedented statement distributed by Trump's own cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency that the November third election. Was the most secure in American history, and there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or, or was in any way compromised. And so, another governmental organization, cybersecurity department of human Department of Homeland Security, reported the same thing that, in essence, November third was the most protected, the most secure election that we've had. Uh, in our history, but yet this, this past weekend there were all kinds of still the vote rallies, including one in Nashville, um, you know, a big one in Washington D.C. Uh, there's a report that came out this week that still the vote was really a, a PAC, political action committee started by Roger Stone. Uh, huh. uh, you know, before That's the election even started, it was right. You know, and so, but anyway, even if all these rumors were true, the article says which they aren't. They wouldn't add up to enough votes to overturn the outcome. In other words, you know, Biden has won by five million votes, um, and in any close election, he's won by enough votes that um, if all the things that, that are being accused of, the, that people are being accused of, were taken into consideration, it wouldn't change the outcome. It, it wouldn't change the outcome. And so the and so the article gives um, five or six rumors, and by rumor and by rumors, this is where I got the idea. these are the conspiracies but then just states the facts, okay? Um, and so rumor number one was that Biden won only because of illegal votes. The reality is actual illegal votes are rare and the courts are considering all credible charges, but yet they keep being thrown out. Um, you know, but the more, here's what the article says, but the mere existence of irregular irregularities doesn't invalidate an election. If it did, no election would be valid because there's there's these things on a small scale, but they happen in every election. Illegal votes can affect the outcome only if enough of them benefit the winner to potentially account for his or her entire margin of victory. You know, um, so the evidence of illegal votes in the 2020 election has been exceedingly thin. Uh, and again, these the courts are throwing these out because they're not. You know, there there just hasn't been anything worthwhile. Did you hear the accusation of, of all these dead people voting?
0: Yeah, and the apology that was
1: later issued. Yeah, by... yeah, but even the ones, but the, even then, what happened um, was that um, you know these there was massive number of mail in ballots this year, right? Because you know just a massive number, and um, and so if somebody was counting that massive the, a mail in ballot, and let's say the date was unclear or the signature was unclear and it was something that they had to check on. Well, then they would they would place that in the database and they would place uh, markers, holders. And so the, and so one of the holding places was if you weren't, uns- if this particular vote still needed to be looked at closer, one of the holding places was um, Jan- January 1st, 1900. You know, and so there were lots of votes that had that January. So if a person was looking over a database. To, to find the ones that need to be looked at again, that was a placeholder, January 1st, 1900. Um, or and, and another one was January 1st, 1890. They, these kind of, it was just to hold the database so you would know which ones you need to go back and look at again. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's what it was, you know, and I've done that when I've had these huge databases and I wasn't sure about something, I just make up something ashenized so it'll catch my attention. Um, and you know that this this is one I got to go back and and, and look at, um, and so those and so then those would be rectified, those would be um, corrected, uh, and then once they were corrected, then the 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 actual date would go in um, to to those things. But even then, there wasn't that many. But those placeholder dates have always been used in every election that we've ever had, and they try to backdate the placeholder dates so old, so it's real easy to see. Uh, and then they say that, that, and you know, another one, uh, was that all these thousands of ballots were burned and there was video evidence of it. And then what that ended up being was, you no, know, those were sample ballots. So after the election was over these sample ballots, they, they burned them, you know, not real ballots, but, uh, you know, but sample ballots. Um, but anyway, any comments on that?
0: No, I mean, I, I, I saw the, uh, the clip, um, with Fox News having to apologize because they ran on a whole story about this dead guy who voted and built it all up only to find out it wasn't he that voted. It was his wife who is still very much alive. Yeah. You know, fortunately they did uh, apologize on air, but it seems like these days even it doesn't even matter. You say whatever you want, you issue an apology afterwards, but they still don't believe the apology. They'll believe the first thing that they Heard at least the followers. Yeah, and the
1: reverse of that is true of people who are dead getting uh, mail-in ballots mailed to them. You know, well that happens because the person hasn't been dead very long. You know, or, I mean, up to a year. I mean, it could take, but it, the vast majority of people did just because you get just because you received a ballot from somebody in your family who had died, does it mean that you mailed that ballot back in? Right. And of course, if you would, if you did mail that ballot back in and get caught, that's a felony. A felony. And so the vast, 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 vast majority of people who get those ballots from their dead loved ones just disregard those ballots. But the issue is made of all these hundreds of thousands of ballots that were mailed out to uh, dead people. And I, I think um, I read somewhere in Michigan um, there ended up being—I mean, it was less than five actual confirmed um, votes that were cast by dead people. You know, and, and they were thrown out. Yeah. You know, they caught it and threw it out. You know, but but so it wasn't hundreds of thousands. You know, just just a, a, a handful. It wasn't um, five million. It wasn't five. Yeah, it was not five million. Yeah. Okay. The second rumor: dead people voted for Biden. That's what we just talked about. The reality is the Trump campaign hasn't been able to to produce more than one or two potential examples of dead people casting ballots, and no one knows who those two voted for. <laughs> so if they did vote two. Is what the Trump campaign has been able to find at the most, two, And you don't know who they voted for. You know, they they could have voted for either one of them. The implication is that somehow Democrats filled out the fraudulently submitted ballots in the names of dead people in order to lift Biden for victory. But that just doesn't compute. In reality, 13 states actually count absentee ballots submitted by living voters who then die before the election day, which is interesting. I didn't think about that. You, know, you could actually vote, mail it in, and then die, but your vote still counted uh, from that. Um, and some of these so-called illegal votes are, in fact, perfectly legal, in other words. Elsewhere, states prohibit counting the votes of people who are no longer alive. They do this in two ways, by disqualifying the early votes or mail-in ballots of residents who wind up dying before Election Day, and or by promptly flagging voters who have recently died, um, you know, and so then they're, and so then they're counted. The, it is important to note that some state registration systems indicate a missing date birth by adopting filler dates, such as 1-1-1900 or 1-1-1850 or 1-1-1800, and we talked about that. You know, the date wasn't in there, so we'll throw a filler date in it, and then that'll catch our attention. We'll come back later and try to verify uh, verify that. But instead, what happens is all these dead people voted. was just not true. The third rumor. Democrats block Republican observers from watching the count. And I heard that a bunch. The reality is Republican lawyers for the Trump campaign have admitted in court that that is false. You know, in every election, when the votes are counted by law, you have to have Republicans and Democrats in there observing the count. They were placed a distance away because of COVID. Uh, They did win a court, uh, one court um, lawsuit where where it said that they they needed to be closer. So while the count was going on, they went to court, and the court ruled that, yeah, the counters need to be closer. But I think what happened is it was just people like you and me who show up to where they're counting elections wanting to get in and, and observe for ourselves, and we were denied. And so then we complained. They're not allowing people in there. And so in Michigan, I think it was, there was such a huge crowd of people that rushed that rushed on the outside that they put up cardboard on the windows so they so they couldn't see in. Did you, did you see that one on the news? No, no. Yeah. So they couldn't see in and that became, see they're blocking people from observing the vote. No, no, no. The authorized people who are observing the votes are inside. Yeah. these you people didn't get are hired for that job, buddy. Yeah. These people are intimidating the counters and they were having to take the counters out by, you know, with law enforcement, you know, to protect them, sneak them out of the building to go home at night. Because these people were, were, were forcing themselves wanting to get in and so, and so they blocked their view and that became they're not allowed. No, no, no. You weren't authorized to be in there. But every polling place had the appropriate number of Democrat and Republican people watching the votes to make sure they were done to make sure they were done correctly. And what's interesting is in many of these states and counties where they're they're arguing against these votes, the the election commissioner is a Republican. You know, and and the governors of the state are Republicans. Uh, but yet, you know, people are, people are still just going to believe, um, you know, what, what they want to believe uh, from that. And uh, let me see, I'm just, this is a rather long article, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it was. I mean, it was good, though. You know, I mean, it, and it states you know. in there that they talked to 40, so 49 out of 50 states, uh, the leadership claimed that there was no evidence of fraud.
1: 49 yeah. out yeah. of
0: 50.
1: Yeah. Now, some of this is um normal i mean you know and i think we talked about this on that election day podcast that we did um where it's always been the case that the media calls it for somebody and then it's two or three weeks later like tennessee is still counting votes even though trump's won tennessee and nothing's going to change that yeah you know they're still counting votes because it hasn't been certified and then every state will certify um, and then there's an the electoral college thing, somehow in other ways, I'm not quite sure of. Then it becomes, then it becomes official, and it, and it won't be official until I think it's the first of December. But that's always been the case. That you know, the the election is announced, the winner is announced on election night or the day after, but nothing's official until it's, until all of this has taken place. Um, and so there's <laughs> there's really nothing going on out of the ordinary right now except. Um, a president not wanting to admit it, and then these millions of people who are saying, who are siding with the president, um, and who are convinced that the election is being, you know, stolen from. Yeah. Rumor number four: Democrats suddenly found new fraudulent votes um, to beat Trump. The reality is, county mail ballots took a long time in some states, like Pennsylvania, because the Republican Party blocked reforms that would have avoided the problem if you can remember, there was a huge push to vote by mail this election because of COVID. Huge push. And so there was a record number of people who voted who voted by mail. Um, most people were not ready to handle that many mail-in ballots. And then in states like uh, Pennsylvania, the Republican Party passed a law uh, where, where not one single mail-in ballot could be counted until after the polls closed on November 3rd. So you had these months of mail-in ballots being sent in, they were placed aside. Um, And because Trump was saying, don't mail your vote in, go vote, then it was obvious that at the end of election day in Pennsylvania, Trump looked like he had won a big victory because the majority of people who actually went to the poll to vote on the day of election were Republicans. But the majority of people who sent in their mail-in ballots for Democrats, because the Democrat party was saying, mail in your ballots so you don't have to go stand in line. Is that what you, you follow me? Yeah. And so and then in Pennsylvania, they couldn't even start counting those votes until after the election was closed, whereas I think in Tennessee and some other states, you could kind of count the mail-in ballots as they came in, you know, uh, so that basically by the time of election day, you had you had a the majority of the mail-in ballots, any mail-in ballots that came after that, uh, were were counted, but they were, and that's another thing, you know, the election day, nobody voted on on November 4th or 5th or 6th. People would vote by mail-in ballot, and and the rule is you, that mail-in ballot has to be postmarked on the day of the election. Well, you know, as well as I do, you can, you know, so November 3rd, I go and I'm, I put my mail-in ballot, and it gets postmarked November 3rd, but it could be three or four days later before it gets to the polling place because of the way the mail was. Yeah. And so the votes that were counted on on November fifth, sixth, and seventh weren't votes that were cast on November fifth, sixth, and seventh. They were votes that were mailed on November third, but it took two, three, four days to get uh, to the and that's why they allow that. No one allows voting to take place after the date. You know, but your mailing ballot or your overseas ballot, all that could be delayed, but as long as it was postmarked before November third, then it was, uh, then it was to be counted. But the rumor was, well, they waited to see how many votes Biden needed, and then that many people voted, you know, the next day, uh, you know, from that. And so that just proved to, uh, again, I got a lot of notes written down, but we're running out of time, and I want to get through these six, uh, these six things the fifth rumor was that bad actors tampered with computers to change the results. Officially, uh, the reality is officials quickly fixed isolated glitches of, of accidents, none of which affected the final vote count. And that's that whole idea of the Dominion uh, machine or whatever that was used. There was a glitch, but it, and it was only in a few states and it was fixed. Um, it was fixed quickly, and so it did not affect the outcome uh, of the election. And then number six, uh, the sixth rumor was that pollsters falsified their results to suppress the GOP vote. But the reality is Republicans turned out in record numbers, even though pollsters mistakenly underestimated Trump again. So think about this: Trump is contesting an election in which he did get seventy-two million votes. Yeah, you know, and so he'll go down in history as he as getting the most votes ever by an incumbent president in u.s history problem is biden got 5 million more yeah you know so that 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 and so you're you're calling fraud in the election when you yourself received um a record number of votes can you hear that no no (laughs) somebody somebody just called me and we got to figure that out if we keep doing zoom how
0: we got a call in. We got a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, it's it's the power company. I'm, I
1: got to pay my. I've received money. about six texts while I'm while we've been sitting here, and yeah, but that's the, but that's the first phone call. Well, hopefully, history anyway, treats it, it
0: like the Olympics, and we get the interview with the gold medalists, and sadly, the silver and the bronze. In this case, the silver doesn't really get the the spotlight. Congratulations, yeah, Trump! You got seventy-two million votes, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't enough.
1: Yeah, and unfortunate. Unfortunately, the transition has been interrupted because of this. Um, you know, Biden hadn't had access to some things that that in in normal circumstances the president-elect would have access to. Now, in fairness, the same thing happened um, when um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was that won presidency, and it wasn't the it may have been the Gore one, but it, you know, it's a, you know, but president, but Al Gore wasn't ever officially the president, but. Uh, but it's not, there was another time, but by mid-December, um, the transition was back on track again. So that's what I'm hoping for that after um, all the elections are certified um, and the electoral college actually meets and cast their vote, um, that it, that it will be official. And, um, and, and Trump will at least admit that he did not win. He'll probably always say it was stolen from him and he, is uh, making plans to run in 2024 already, and, and uh, so he's not going away. Um, but uh, uh, and then, but hopefully, you know, Biden wants to try to bring the country together again, and and I hope he can do that because um, this division this, this um, is uh, is not good for anybody. All right, just kind of um, you know, six takeaways as I thought about this. One is, of course, and I don't mean for this to sound trite, um, but, you know, pray for our country. And I really mean that. I believe in prayer. And, uh, and of course, you know, when we pray for our country, we need to pray for the world as well, not just, you know, not just our country. But, you know, pray for our country, but also pray for your own heart. You know, I got to pray for my heart to make sure, are my motives pure, you know, where am I wrong? Um, where do I need to repent? Where do I need to ask forgiveness? Um, but so, you know, pray for your own heart, uh, pray for the hearts of your family and friends, you know, the Thanksgiving is around the corner. And if you have Thanksgiving with your family, um, then, you know, you've got to, uh, you may have some family members who, who are on the opposite end of the spectrum than you. Uh, and so pray for yourself, but pray uh, for them as well, I put down fourth. Trust the process, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. Trust the process. Um, that um, you know things are going along as normal. The only exception is um, that uh, uh, Trump is is saying that things are being stolen from him when when the results are not finalized. You know, but trust the process. Um, you know, I, I saw a um, there's a military general who who said, and I thought this is really good to read. Um, that the United States military, because people are talking about what if Trump doesn't, is there are coups, what if Trump doesn't, you know, go away and all that. And, and this military general, high-ranking military general said so the United States military is unique in the world in that we pledge allegiance not to a person, but to the Constitution. You know, and I thought, okay, that, that gives me a little, ah, I can breathe a little bit. Okay, he, he can do whatever he wants to, but if the soldiers, and I think most soldiers are good people, if they follow their vow, their vow is to protect the Constitution, defend the Constitution, not to defend an individual uh, from that. And so if you trust the process, then um, I think um, things will go in somewhat early way. But then another takeaway is trust the process, but then trust God more than you trust the process. But <laughs> so still, trust you know trust God um, that regardless of the outcome, um you know, my faith is still in Christ and, uh, um, and my future is secure, even though, you know, I may go through difficult times. Um, but so trust the process, but trust God more than the process and then stay strong and be encouraged. Um, just, you know, uh, just be encouraged, stay strong. Um, let people know, you know, the Bible says give a reason, you know, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, and so that's where we need to be, you know, we don't need to be the ones that that's, we don't need to be the ones that are believing all these conspiracies, and we don't need to be the ones that seem like we're acting in fear you know, um, and I, I'm really tired of that this, this fear, oh, we're going to become a communist country, a socialist country, we're going to just, you know Biden's going to take away guns and uh, just, this constant fear uh, just you know, my my faith and my hope and my trust are in God, uh, so I can have confidence and and uh, I don't need to fear.
0: Well, those are great closing words. Any thoughts on uh, upcoming episodes?
1: Well, I'm not not sure. <laughs> I want to. I, I don't want to talk about COVID, and I don't want to talk about the election. And right now, the election is still going on, and COVID is spiking, which is one reason why we're remote. Yeah. Uh, from that, but um, you know, I've got a couple of friends I'm talking to about bringing on and and, uh, just talking about things that are going on and, uh, and just, you know, we'll, 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 keep, just keep the conversation going. This is like a bunch of friends. You sit down and talk, you're not sure where the conversation is going to go sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, listeners, if you have topics that you would like us to, to talk about on floods of justice and approach it from a biblical, um, worldview, uh, message us off, message us offline, um, Pastor Kevin, you can find him on uh, on Twitter. We'll announce that here in a little bit in the closer. Uh, but we would love to hear from our listeners and uh, see what you guys would like to talk about besides COVID and the election. But until the next episode, have a great week. Kevin, any parting words?
1: Well, no, This I think this is episode 49. 49. Um, we, we won't be on. Yeah, next week is Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. We won't do a podcast next week. And then after Thanksgiving, maybe we'll do one or two more and then take a few weeks off for Christmas and the holidays.
0: All right. So stay tuned. Next episode is our episode number 50. All right. Number 50. Nice. The big five-oh. Okay. Have a great week. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin. Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler podcast network. Follow The Holler for relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at tnholler.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The TN Holler.